Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. How thankful are you to be in church this morning? I am uh, so thankful to be with you, so thankful for the opportunity to bring God's word this morning. And if you're a guest with us this week, and maybe you're in town being with family for the Thanksgiving weekend, we're just so glad that you're here and uh, glad that you joined us this morning. Uh, before we get into our message, I want to give just a quick update to our church family uh, regarding our Ancient Wells New Seasons campaign. Uh, I got a construction update and I have a relocation update that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, we have a couple of slides that are going to come up behind me, but we wanted to let you you know that we are excited to let you know that starting in January, we are going to begin the first part of the building project. We're going to be uh, adding a balcony in this room the first week of January. We're going to be adjusting some of the spaces beyond in the upstairs second floor south here in this building to be able to create more space uh, for offices and other uh, areas of ministry training. And so that means that our final Sunday as a church for a short time in this room will be Sunday, December 31st. So what does that mean for our church? Well, a few weeks ago, Pastor Matt shared with you that our church services are going to be relocated to the Psalm Center at Corbin University starting Sunday, January 7th. Uh, This is a great space out there. We're really thankful for Corbin's partnership, allowing us to be able to use their uh, great hall there for us to be able to meet. Our services will remain at 9 and 11 o'clock. These are going to be family-friendly services for the season that we're out at Corbin, and we have to relocate while they do the construction in this room. Uh, We will not be having children's ministry out at Corbin. Um, We're going to be having kids, ministry sermon kits that are going to be available for families. We're going to be uh, designing the sermon series that are going to be able to engage uh, the kids in the room. But we did want to also make accommodations for families with young kids. And so uh, here at the church in our chapel, we're going to be having a a service every week during this season as well at 11 o'clock up in the chapel. And here at the church, we're going to be offering nursery for kids zero, so birth, through three years old. And uh, we're going to have uh, that, that room up in the chapel is going to be set up more as like a family room feel. It's going to be very family friendly. We'll have the nursery services, uh, but there's going to be fellowship. There's going to be live worship, uh, but then we're going to watch the sermon uh, live stream from Corbin at, as a family there. And so we're asking uh, you to, to prepare for this. And so there's been some questions as we made this announcement uh, kind of in regards to being over at Corbin and what that means for us. And so uh, one of the biggest concerns if you've been out to Corbin University is parking in relationship to the Psalm Center. And so we wanted you to know that we are going to have shuttles working the selected parking lots around the Psalm Center that we have uh, been already kind of reserved for us to use. We're gonna have shuttles going from all those lots all morning that can pick you up. If you need assistance getting to the Psalm Center, it'll drop you off right by the doors and you'll be able to walk in. We do have a limited number of reserved parking spaces. So if you need to park really close to the door, uh, we've got a number of parking spots there that we can reserve. And so we have uh, the little kind of parking permits for those reserved um, places. They're free, but there's only a a select amount. So if you need a a, handicap parking or if you just need to be close because uh, you just need to be able to have a short distance inside, call the church office so we can get you one of those passes. One of the things that we're also asking you to do that you got this morning when you came in is you got a little card and on the back of that card there was a QR code. Uh, you can go to the church website right now on the homepage and it says register for Sunday services or you can scan that QR code. That'll take you to a registration. And we're asking every individual or family to 
one time just register and say, over this set of weeks that we're going to be relocated, our family will attend the 9 o'clock service at Corbin or the 11 o'clock service at Corbin or we're going to attend the 11 o'clock service here at Salem Heights. If you need to change that after you register, that's totally okay. But we're just trying to get an idea of what we're going to have at each service so we know how to set that up for you to make it be something that is exciting, something that still allows you to feel connected and allows our church family to feel cared for. So we're asking you to please just take a moment, scan that code, go online and register for one of the weeks at Corbin or here at the church. Now, regarding the campaign, uh, we had an amazing response to the opportunity to give towards these projects that we were kicking off here in January. And so I wanted to just give you a quick update about that. Currently, uh, we have $2.3 million committed to these projects from our church family. And I just want to say again, thank you, Salem Heights. Thank you for responding in generosity to what God's doing. Yeah, we can applaud that. We understand everything right now is expensive. We understand everything right now is in chaos in our world. And yet for our people to say, we believe in the mission and the vision of our church. We see the needs and we want to commit above our normal offerings to these things. $2.3 million is an amazing act of generosity. God working through his people. And so we have started that three-year season of giving. So thank you to all of you who've already started giving your monthly contributions. Uh, You can go ahead and start doing that. But we're going to be continuing, as we mentioned, after the the night that we had this commitment night. We, we said we're going to be entering into a season of giving. We're still looking at other additional funds to come in. And updates regarding to what we're going to be able to build with what's been committed are going to be coming very soon. So I know some of you have questions on what's the, where are we going to go in light of what's been given and what are we going to build and when is that next part going to start? We're going to have those updates to you shortly. And so we're excited to start this season. We understand that it's going to be a little bit of a, a dis, uh, kind of being relocated. It's going to kind of make it move us around for a little bit of season. But it's going to be something that we believe is going to be exciting to see progress happen. And our hope, our greatest desire is that we will be back in this room fully finished for Easter services in March. And that is our ho- that's our hope and our goal. And our builders and the people we're working with are, are working towards that and have uh, great intention to be able to do that for us. So here's how you can join us in prayer. First, I would just encourage you to be praying for the safety of this project, that God would continue to provide the provision, the materials, that as we get to have a lot of people outside the community in our building, that we have opportunities to share Christ with those people who are going to be working on this project. They're coming to work. They have no idea they're coming to hear about Jesus too. It's going to be great. So pray for that. Pray for the church to thrive during this season. We understand that being relocated for a series of weeks could seem a little bit concerning. It might cause some of us to kind of maybe fall away. Uh, we're praying that God wouldn't do that. We'd stay connected as a church family. We look at this as an opportunity to walk through a season where we're going to see God do amazing things. So pray for our church family to thrive. And let's just continue to pray that we could be back in this room for Easter, allow our community to come in and be able to celebrate what God has done through the generosity of his church here at Salem Heights. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for the exciting news of building that's about to begin. We thank you for the provision of places to relocate and and plans that have been put in place to care for our families as we continue to want Sundays to be about the proclamation of your word. And so God, we do pray for these projects that they would go smoothly, that all the needed supplies would become, they would be available and delivered, that our workers would be safe. God, we pray for our church that you'd keep us connected, that you'd keep us thriving in this season. And God, if it be your will, we ask that you would allow us to complete this project so that we could come in and be able to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior together in a new finished auditorium. God, we pray that you would cause all these things to come together. We pray this in your son's name.
Amen. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to grab it and join me in Proverbs chapter 3. This morning we have just kind of a standalone message. Uh, We're going to be looking at a pretty familiar set of verses in Proverbs chapter 3. But uh, over the last couple of days, you probably have enjoyed many festive meals. And one of the things that you might have had at one of those meals was a charcuterie board. I think I said that right. One of the things that's amazing about these kinds of uh, displays is that there's all these little different um, ingredients and different foods, different little bites to eat that typically we might not just make a whole meal out of, but they are, are meant to be savored. Each of these little small bites is meant to be enjoyed. When I think about the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, it is full of small bites of biblical wisdom that are meant to be savored. And so this morning, I want us to consider just two verses from Proverbs chapter 3 that have tremendous relevance for everything that we are seeing and and experiencing in our world today. Two verses that I believe can speak to the heart that feels overwhelmed by our world, by our culture, by the complexities that surround us. And I believe these two verses are going to give us a simple, single priority. And they're found in Proverbs chapter 3 verses five and six. Would you stand with me as we read God's word this morning in honor of him? God's wisdom for us this morning. If you're ready to hear from the word of the Lord, say ready. Ready. This is the word of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding and all your ways know him and he will make your paths straight. Do you believe that's true? It is. You may be seated. Many of us remember the popularity of the motto, what would Jesus do in the early 90s? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I got to believe there's some people in here that still have a bracelet somewhere in their house. Well, I grew up, I was a teenager at that time, and there was another acronym at that time that stood out to me, and it was F-R-O-G, frog. My dad was a uh, school teacher and administrator, and at the school he worked at, they had to wear the identification badges just to know who were the teachers and who might be a guest, and he wore his on this lanyard that said frog. And at first, when I saw it, I didn't know what it meant. I was like, you know, Dad, what, what is Frog. And he took the time to explain what frog was. Frog is an acronym that stood for fully relying on God. One of the things that was often said about my dad is that if you entered into his office as a school administrator, the thing that you would notice on his desk always open was the word of God. It was not just a a model, it was what he lived his life out by. And as a father, he implored to me, he urged me, Pete, Follow my example as I follow the example in scripture to fully live your life reliant on God and God alone. Here in Proverbs chapter three, we see a father urging his son to rely on the Lord. And so here's the big idea that I want us to come away with this morning. I want us to remember that trusting God is more than a sentiment. It's an active response to combat the discouragement fears, frustrations, and doubt that we face. I think this is relevant. I think it's timely for today because there's a lot of things that are trying to to overwhelm us. There are a lot of things that we're dealing with that are hard. And it's so easy to get focused on the problems and to take our focus off of the Lord. 
to try to fix these issues, to try to come up with solutions in our own strength and in our own power when scripture gives us a simple single priority and that is to trust him. And so this morning, I don't want you just to walk away with the reminder that, hey, when life gets hard, trust God. I want us to actually consider what does that look like in action? And I believe we see four steps or four evidences of trust in these two verses that I want to highlight today using the same acronym, FROG. And I want to consider four questions as we walk through this text. Are you ready? The first thing that I believe we need to do if we're going to live out trust, if we're going to put trust in action, is we have to focus on the Lord. Look again at this verse, a verse that many of us memorized as children if we grew up in church. Verse five says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. What you trust matters. What you place your trust in matters. But the problem is, is that you and I can begin to put our trust in created things, things that God has given us rather than the creator. We can begin to focus on the most important thing in our life is to to have a good marriage or to have kids or to have a good job or to have a retirement security or to be able to do what we want that brings us pleasure. But what happens is is that when we kind of remove our worship off of God and our focus off the Lord and we put it on creative things, those things become our functional gods. One pastor put it like this, you can believe in God yet still trust something else for your real significance and happiness, which is therefore your real God. Think about that. As a Christian, you can believe in God, but actually worship something else functionally. We hide how we do this from ourselves, and it's only when something goes wrong with, say, your career or your family, that you realize that it's much more important to you than the Lord himself. Idolatries of the heart lead to foolishness in life. So what's the solution to this problem? This problem that when life gets hard, instead of trusting him, fully relying on him, we start to focus on his creation rather than him. Well, the the solution is to redirect our focus, to be captivated with our creator more than his creation. To focus on his power, to focus on his knowledge of all things, to focus on his unending love for you and for me, to focus on the sacrifice, the fact that he's given us everything we need for life and godliness, to focus on his care, that he's near those who are crushed in spirit. He sees the plight of the brokenhearted. His track record is flawless. But here's why we have to start by focusing on the Lord when times get tough. It's because horizontal problems can't be resolved until we address the vertical problem. You know, sometimes we see the problems horizontally, the things here on earth, the things, the relational problems, the career problems, the the emotional problems, the health problems. We want to fix all those things. And yet we're doing that completely removed from the Lord and his help. That's a problem. But if the gospel reorients ourselves to the vertical, if we're reminded of our neediness and we're also reminded of the provision of God through Christ alone, and we make that problem go away by placing our trust in him and we say, Lord, we we confess our sins. We don't want anything to, to get in the way of us being completely in you, experiencing life in you, walking in you. He will actually equip us to, to, to live through and endure the horizontal issues that are happening to us and around us. 
The gospel redeems us to the vertical. It exposes our idols and offers us a better savior. Do you know there's a better savior than the created things of this world? Do you know that the things that God created that he gave to you because he loves you were never meant to replace him as your savior? In fact, they're, they're crummy saviors. They actually cannot hold up under the weight we put on our gods, the expectations we put on our gods, but he can. He does. So here's the key question, number one, for you and I this morning. What are those idols that we need to put away? What are those idols that have started to creep up in our life that things are tough right now, but we're so focused on the horizontal, we're so focused on our comforts, those desires that we have, that we've actually forgotten about our relationship with the Lord. Our focus is drifted off of him and onto the, on the things of earth rather than to focus on him. What are those things that we need to put to the side and say, I got to get this right? Because if this is right, I can endure anything that I face here. First step to trust in action is focus on the Lord. But then there's a second step that we see here in our text this morning, and that is we have to relinquish control. Look at verse five again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. As I've been studying these two verses personally in my own, my own life, and my own walk, I've been preaching this message to myself. I've been letting the Lord do the heart work in my heart in preparation for this morning. There was a, a, a quote or an explanation that I came across that helped me just focus on this idea of relinquishing control. And it's just been the most impactful thought that has helped me visualize what it means to trust the Lord with all of my heart. It comes from a pastor named Ray Ortland in a commentary that he was writing on Proverbs. And he describes what it looks like to trust the Lord with all your heart like this. This Hebrew verb translated trust is a cognate of an Arabic verb that means to throw oneself down on one's face, to lie down, spread eagle in complete reliance, to make it as graphic as I can, to do a belly flop on God with all our sin and all our failure and all our fears. We stake everything on the gospel promises of God. If God fails us, we are damned. If God comes through, we are saved forever. Real trust is that blunt and daring and simple. Trust the Lord with all your heart. What is a belly flop? It is an all-in, no-strings-attached, fully-committed decision. <laughs> and that's what trust is. Trust is a 100% all-in, active decision to fall in the Lord. But here's the problem. You and I often give God partial trust. We want God's help with our marriage but we'd like to help him along with that. We want God's help with our kids, but we want to help him along with that. We want God's help with our jobs. We want to help him along with that. We want God's help with our satisfaction, things that make us feel settled, but we want to help him along with that. But here's the truth. Partial trust is no trust at all. When we say, I trust God, but we're not trusting God. 
to truly trust him with all your heart is a complete 100% all in active decision to fall on him. So what's the solution to partial trust? What's to cast our cares on him? Many of you are reminded of the verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter says this, casting all our cares on him because he cares for you. This is an, an instruction that he's given to Christians to cast all their cares on Christ because Christ cares for you. And if you look at that word casting in the Greek language, it's defined like this, to stop worrying and trust. Peter's saying, stop worrying and trust the Lord. Cast all your cares on him. This is what it means to trust him with all your heart. To say, Lord, I, I have all these things that are causing me to doubt. All these things that are causing me to have fears. All these things that are discouraging me. All these things that are frustrating and angering me. And I just, I, I want to get away from them. I want to find relief from them. I, I, I need help, but... I'm just struggling because I, I think this is the way I need to approach this and this is what I can do to change this. And he's saying, just give me all of that. And yet we'll say, okay, God, here you go, but that's not trust. But trust is scary. I don't know if you've ever done a belly flop. If you've ever stood on the edge of a diving board or off a cliff and you're a jump on water, even if you're gonna do a pencil dive, if you're gonna do a cannonball, there's a little bit of fear, but when you're gonna go head first, open up, there's a moment of, I'm either all in, or I'm gonna step back. The father here in Proverbs 3 is imploring the son to trust the Lord with all his heart. To not live life based on contingencies, not built his life on what he could do to help God accomplish what he thinks is best. No, he's going to trust him with all his heart. So here's the question for you and I this morning. Question two, what is it in your life that you need to fully cast on Christ? What is that thing this morning as I'm talking that the Lord is already through his Holy Spirit starting to bring to mind? You know what it is, I don't. There is something that you have been concerned about, consumed with, overwhelmed by, and you are just desperate to see God intervene, but you haven't fully given it to him. You, you're kind of trusting in him. You believe he could help you, but you're trying to do part of the job. The second key to active trust is to relinquish control. God, I fully cast my cares upon you. You know what that sounds like to the world? Foolishness. And it might even sound like to some laziness, but that's not lazy or foolish to trust the Lord. Because oftentimes when we trust him, he still calls us to action. Then the real work begins of faith. To fully rely on God, we must focus on the Lord. And then we must relinquish control. Third thing we got to do is we have to oppose self-reliance. Oppose self-reliance. Verse six, in all your ways, know him. In the translation, I memorized this as a kid, is in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. See, the simple truth of this passage, which is so familiar to so many of us, is that we are instructed to consult God with everything. 
Every decision, every choice, every day, we are to go to the Lord and say, God, what would you have me do? God, what would be your wisdom in the situation? God, what are you asking me to trust you with? Every challenge and every decision that stands before us, we are instructed here to consult God. That's what it means in all your ways to know him. It's to, to consult him. God, here's what I'm going with. Here's what I'm facing. What would you have me do? What have you already provided? What does wisdom look like? What does foolishness look like? You see, in this passage, in these two verses here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we see the, the author highlight two different responsibilities, two different roles. There's a role for us and a role for God. And I want you to hear this. It's so important. Do you know what your role is in every situation you face? To trust the Lord. Do you know what his role in every situation is? To make your path straight. He's the one that's going to cause the outcome. He's the one that's going to clear the way. He's the one that's going to provide. You have not been expected or asked or invited into the process of provision. You've been invited into the process of trusting him. But the reality is that anger and foolishness and despair and fear in our lives appear when we try to do God's part. When we try to help God do what he is supposed to do, his role, his responsibility. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, we looked at that a couple months ago. It says to guard your hearts above all else, for it is the source of life. The Bible says to guard your hearts. Guard it from what? I believe he's saying we need to guard our heart from pride and unbelief. Pride that causes us to reject God, unbelief that causes us to doubt God, we are to reject those things, to guard ourselves against those things. You see, at the core of every heart problem is pride and unbelief. This creates selfish desires that we set out to obtain and protect. I got an illustration I want to show you of this. When we are living for ourselves and we're trying to take care of our own lives, there, there are going to be desires that well up inside of us that are sourced in our own desires and our sinfulness. And oftentimes those, those desires are to gain something or to protect something. But we know that we're limited. We, can't, we actually don't have much control over what happens to us and around us. And so what happens is when we're unable to obtain the things that we think are going to make us happy, the desires of our heart, we get angry and eventually leads to very foolish decisions. And then in those situations when we want to protect something that's so important to us and we're unable to protect it, we can't do what we want it to do, what ultimately happens then is that we get fearful and we sink into despair. But when we fully rely on God, there's a replacement that goes on in our heart. We replace unbelief with belief in the gospel. We replace pride with a full reliance on God. God, I'm not going to try to control. I'm not going to try to obtain. I'm not going to try to protect. I'm trusting you to do that. And when we trust him, we fully rely on him. He replaces anger with humility, foolishness with his wisdom, fear with trust. And in those moments of despair, he replaces it with hope. One pastor said this, we don't need to lean on ourselves and figure it out for ourselves and then spend life worrying that we may have got it wrong. We lean on him, follow him and spend life knowing that he has us right where he wants us 
to be. So the third question I have for you this morning is this. In what ways are you trying to assist God rather than wait on him? In what ways are you trying to assist God than wait on him? Before we get into the last point, there, there's probably in the room a little bit of a little conviction of areas where maybe I, I've had these idols pop up and I haven't been waiting on him and I've been trying to help him. And, but remember, this, is, this, is, this passage is intended to give us hope. That to trust him with everything we are is not foolishness, it's not laziness, but it's actually all that we can do, all that we're asked to do and allow him to be our source of strength, to let him be our provider. There's a lot of things in the world right now that we're staring at that can cause fear, rightly so. Can cause us to doubt, cause us to get angry. You know what will make the biggest impact to our world today? Is if the outside world, those far from Jesus who are caught up in their sinful desires, who are so overwhelmed by their fears and discouragements and their frustrations, look at the church and they see a body of people who are trusting fully in God and allowing that trust to drive their decisions, to drive their language, to drive their generosity, to drive their motivations. That will stand out. Not only will it stand out, God will use that to draw more people to himself who he will save and allow them to place their trust in him and have a heart transformation take place that no ideology or system outside of God can create. So trust in action requires us to fear the Lord, to focus on him, requires us to relinquish control. It requires you and I to actively oppose self-reliance, to fully trust in him. But there's one last marker of trust in action. And that is this, is that we go where God guides when God guides Final thought says here in verse six again, in all your ways, know him and he will make your paths straight. When we rely on the Lord, when we fully trust him, all in, no contingencies, no strings attached, we can have confidence that when he says go, we can go. Even if it doesn't make sense to us, even if it seems a little bit murky, if he's saying, I'm leading you here, we can trust him with that. Because like a good shepherd, he leads us where we need to go. He leads us away from danger. He leads us to places where we can find refreshment. He's a good shepherd. He protects us as his sheep. When we fully trust on the Lord, we can go wherever he calls us to go. There are going to be times in life where trusting the Lord means we go contrary to what we think is best or what the world tells us what's best. But if God says go this way when everyone says go that way, who should we trust? Should we forge our own way? That's what we often do in our independent, prideful selves. Hey, okay, I won't listen to the world, but I'm not going to listen to somebody else. I'm going to make my own way. One of the visual pictures to understand what it means here when it says he will make his path straight is that God actually goes before us and he clears a way. It's a way uniquely designed for us to go. I love how one translation of the Bible translates this verse. It says this, 
Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. But here's what I want you to know. Trusting the Lord is not about getting from the Lord. Trusting him is not about getting his provision. No, the reward of full trust in God is God. The reward of trusting is more of him. See, so many times it's like, I'm trusting the Lord to give me what I want. Rather than say, I'm trusting the Lord to never leave my side. I'm trusting the Lord to to be my satisfaction, to be my everything, to be my all, to help all those other concerns and all those other, other desires just to melt away. I'm trusting him to show up and to be who he said he was going to be in my life. Is that what we want? It's definitely what we need. Philippians 4, we shared this passage at our prayer and praise night earlier this week. But listen to what Paul instructs these believers in Philippi to do when they faced worry and doubt and anxiety and stress. Philippians 4, starting in verse 6, says this, Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And listen to what the outcome of that approach will be. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that promise is? That's a promise of God's peace. Doesn't promise that he'll remove you from that hardship or or that he'll provide and answer the prayers just like you asked. But he says, if you will cast all your cares on me, if you will not worry about it and you will pray and ask me, I will give you peace. Well, what is that peace? What does that look like? Well, he explains it on in verse nine. He says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. This is the same chapter of the Bible where he says that I can do all things through Christ. I can have a lot, I can have a little. Why? Because God is with me wherever I go because I'm fully relying on him fully relying on him. When we walk with God, he makes our path straight. That means he goes with us. He clears the path as we go. And so the final key truth for us this morning is this. The satisfied life that we are all desiring to live is spent with Jesus, not apart from him. The invitation to trust him with all your heart is an invitation to spend every moment with him. That's what we need today. We need more of God. We need his peace. We need his wisdom. We need his provision. Would you pray with me? We've asked a couple of questions this morning after each part, we've asked, what are the idols that we need to put away? What is it in our life that we need to cast fully on Christ? What are the ways that we're trying to assist God rather than wait on him? And we're trusting that God is going to reveal those things 
the answers to those questions in our personal hearts as we reflect on those and we commit that to him. But I have one final question this morning for us and it's simply this. Right now, in this moment, could you say, I'm fully relying on God? For some of you this morning, you've come here as a guest. Perhaps you've never placed your faith in Jesus. You, you don't have a relationship with God. There's still sins that have marred your life that have separated you from him. And I want you to know this morning that that is, that is you. The gift of salvation, the ability to, to have that intimate relationship with God, to have your sins forgiven and to have that relationship restored is, is absolutely available to you this morning. And so if you don't have a relationship with God, the first thing you do to fully rely on him is to confess your sins to him. Confess your neediness for a savior and to believe that Jesus Christ is the savior, that he died on a cross for your sins, that he was buried and rose again. And in doing that, placing your trust in him, he will forgive your sins. You'll be saved. If you wanna do that this morning, we're gonna have men and women up front at the end of service who would love to pray with you, answer any questions you have about starting a relationship with Jesus. But there are many in here that already profess faith in Christ who this morning, as they reflect on what it means to trust the Lord with all their heart, the Spirit of God is already convicting us. He's already bringing things to mind right now, things where we, we're not really trusting in Him. We are captivated by creation. We're captivated by the problems. And we haven't been walking in reliance on Him. I wanna encourage you, if that's you this morning, to confess that to the Lord. There's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, and yet we are called to confess when we know that we haven't been walking in obedience. And so today for us, the, the response this morning is, Lord, I, I haven't been relying on you. Will you help me with that? Will you help me to lay aside all these things and to fully trust in you, to focus on you, to relinquish control, to oppose that self-reliance and to go wherever you go, whenever you tell me to go. That simple prayer God will respond to. That's what he's desiring is for us to put aside the idols in our life that are distracting us from the satisfied life in him. God, we pray this morning that you would cause us to fully rely on you. We're heading into seasons that are gonna remind us of so many problems in the world and that you have not left us or forsaken us. So God, I pray that we would fully trust in you, that your light would shine brightly through our church and that you would continue to restore those who cry out to you. Thank you for walking closely with us. I pray that you would help us trust you more. I pray this in your son's name.